message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. So, um, coming up on a new year, right now, we're right at the brink of a new year, and we are going to embark on a really cool four-part series for the new year. Uh, regarding vision for your life, change, renewal, vision for your life, the mission in your life, the things that God has for you. Everyone in this room, you are wonderfully and fearfully made, God says. He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and we're going to look at what that looks like, how it begins to unfold. And we're doing a really cool, exciting four-part series. We're calling it Hashtag Goals. Hashtag goals, because God's got goals for you, and you have goals for you, and when your goals line up with God's goals, that's where things get really explosive. So we're going to be looking at that over the next four weeks uh, with mission, vision, calling, your gifts, talents, your opportunities, your experiences, all these things that God converges for what he has in your life. That's really uh, going to be amazing. And as I was praying over this message and saying, Lord, where do we begin on this series, because we're starting today, um, I really sense the Lord say to look back before you look forward. Um, Look back before you look forward because many times you and I, we just kind of want to be done with some things, right? So some things from 2017 were like, you know, that's good, but that ship has sailed and that chapter's done. I just want a new one. I get it. I feel the same way. I've spoken to many of you and many of my friends and they feel the same way. There were some good things about 2017, but there were also a bunch of other things that they're glad are behind them and just want to move on to a fresh start. I get that. But what I want to challenge you with today is the stuff that you've been through, the things that you've gone through, uh, the setbacks that you had this year, some of the things that you just want to forget and wish never happened, some of those things God wants to use in your life. And you might be thinking, well, how's God going to use that stuff? Because that wasn't good stuff. It wasn't fun. It didn't seem like a blessing. I didn't enjoy it. It seemed disappointing. Could be a lot of things. I want to encourage you today. We're going to look at a scripture, and we're going to look at a few scriptures that are going to kind kind of bring to light this process in your life, including the things that you've been through and how God wants to use all of these things to leverage you forward for his glory in a way that makes him smile, and it will make you smile as as well. And so uh, you've been through trials, you've been through challenges. I'm sure has anyone had any difficulties, setbacks this year? Anything, any hardship in the room? Okay, God wants to use all these things, all these things uh, for the good. See, we can look at things um, through natural eyes, through a natural lens. We can, we can look at things just very naturally and we can look back at our last year and go, yes, I didn't like this, I didn't like this, I want them to be gone, and that's very natural. However, we can put on a spiritual lens through the lens of the Holy Spirit, through the lens of Scripture, from God's perspective, and then we can begin to look at things in a completely different way and say, oh, wait a second. Even those setbacks, even the disappointments, God is connecting dots and he has purpose in these things and we begin to see a picture, we begin to see a whole lot more when we begin to look through the lens, God's lens, the lens of the the Holy Spirit. So today we're looking at uh, a few scriptures, but our key verse is Romans 8.28, Romans chapter 8.28. And this is a, is a verse that is a game changer. It's, a, it's in my favorite chapter of the Bible. I love the Bible. I love God's word. There's a lot of chapters I love. I have 
you know, some top 10 chapters and stuff that I love. But I would tell you, for me, I think Romans 8, if I were on a desert island and I only had one, uh, I'd probably take this chapter because this chapter is so amazing to me personally. It's spoken in my life a lot. Maybe it'll speak to yours. It's really a chapter of liberation. It's a chapter of promise. It's a chapter of hope. It's a chapter of fresh starts and new beginnings. And there's so much going on uh, in this chapter. Um, and, and this chapter is really about living in the Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me? Living in the Holy Spirit. One more time. Living in the Holy Spirit. Living in the Holy Spirit. Because up until this point in time, and he's talking in the, in the Romans about the law and the weight we feel and the sin in our life and the struggle we have. And Paul's writing all this very real stuff about the stuff we deal with. And then he steps into chapter 8 and says, well, guess what? In the Holy Spirit, there's no condemnation. And guess what? Nothing will separate you from the love of God. And guess what? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And he goes on with all these promises, and you're like, this is an epic chapter. It's an amazing chapter. We're calling it all things. Uh, But it's important if you and I are going to live life in the Holy Spirit, if we're going to live life with Christ, if we're going to walk with Jesus in our lives, if we're going to do that, it's not just living our life in the Spirit, it's interpreting our life in the Spirit, interpreting our life in the Spirit. And some of the things you went through last year, you and I might not be interpreting them the right way. We might be looking back and go, I just want it to be done, slam the door on that, I want to move forward. You, you and I may not possibly be interpreting them the right way. I think God has an interpretation for these things in our past, and I think today we're going to see how God's going to start connecting dots, putting things together, leveraging everything together for your good and for his good pleasure, and that's the beauty of what this uh, text says. Um, so... Um, Let's uh, jump in. Romans 8.28, I believe we have it for the screen right here. Um, And it's important because some of the things you've been through this year and in your past, you're probably thinking, well, how is God going to use that? God can't use that. Uh, It didn't feel good. It didn't feel like a blessing from God. There's maybe some setbacks, maybe mistakes, all kinds of things. And you think, well, I don't know how God can use that, so I just want to move on. I want to encourage you, God can and God will use all things together for the good. We're going to qualify what this means. So let's jump in together in this explosive chapter. If you have your Bible or your device uh, or look at it on the screen here. Uh, but it says this, Romans eight twenty eight. And we know, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So we're going to unpack this because there's a lot going on. You've got to qualify this passage again. This passage is talking about the life of a believer, a child of God, one who has come to Jesus and been forgiven, one who is committed to following Jesus, one who is committed to staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Not perfect people, but people committed to the direction of Jesus. That's, that's the context of Romans chapter 8. And it's got a promise here. It's actually a guarantee. The guarantee is that God will work all these things together for the good, which is a pretty explosive promise. Uh, If you think about this, it's a life changer because you and I have been through some stuff that we think some of those things in our life, some of those pages in our life, if our life was a book, uh, some of those pages we wish he'd rip out, some of those chapters we just want to rip them out, like what was the upside of that one, what's the benefit? I want to encourage you, Scripture says that if you're in Christ... God wants to, can, and will use all these things. And it's pretty a wild concept because you and I, we can't get our head around this kind of thing. We're thinking, how is God going to use that? He can and he, 
and he will. So this is a promise, and we're going to unpack what it means, but it's such a powerful verse. For some of you, this may even be a life verse, a life verse where, you know, God showed you something in Scripture, and you're like, wow, that is so powerful. I'm holding on to that one, and I'm keeping that one close. Some of you have a life verse, a a verse in the Bible that God has shown you that you're like, wow, I'm putting that so close to my heart because that's me right there. I'm hanging on to that one. And if you don't have a life verse, you should have a life verse. Because scripture is alive and it speaks to you. You need to hold on to it. You need to pick it up like a golden key going, wow, God, I needed that one. Thank you. Keep, keep that key ring close to your heart because God has promises for you. Hold on to his word. The Bible talks about treasuring his word and holding, hiding his word in your heart. So, so you need to have some scriptures that you pull extra close to you. Um, C.S. Lewis, um, you know, he had struggles when he was younger. He talked about uh, these things in his life that really disappointed him. See, he he couldn't figure out why he was going through certain things. He, he couldn't figure out the struggles that he had, some of the setbacks, the difficulty. And he'd get really sad about it. He'd get very upset about it. He'd get very angry and disappointed about it. And his father, his father saw this going on in the life of his son. And so his father, you know, loved his son and tried to encourage his son in the things of the Lord. And so his father did something very simple. His father made a very simple plaque, a plaque for his son. And on the plaque, it simply said, all things, all things, all things. And being reminded that God works together all things. And if you and I would leave here today knowing one thing, all things, if you and I will leave here knowing that God will work all things together for the good, if you love him, if you're called according to his purpose, all things, you leave here with a sigh of relief. The Bible has a lot to say about all things. All things work together for the good. He says, behold, I make all things new. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. There's a lot of scripture on all things. So when this father made a plaque for his son with simply the words all things, C.S. Lewis as a child could look up and go, okay, God, you have it. You've got it. I don't have to carry this burden. I don't have to carry this weight. Even though I don't get it, even though I can't figure out what I'm going through, You've got it covered. You've got all things covered, all things. All things are possible with God, all things. So all things was the plaque. I was talking to Christy about this, and when she was younger, um, she was sharing with me that she would have these worries and these struggles as a young girl, and her dad would bring her close to her side and say, Christy, look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry and toil and spin and labor. And, and quoting Jesus' scripture, that Solomon in his all glory was dressed more beautiful than these. But if, if they didn't have to worry, you don't have to worry either. God will provide. And so he would use that scripture instead of a plaque. And if you're a parent this morning, if you're a parent this morning, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. You have children. They not, may not show it. They may not express it. But they've got their own doubts and fears and concerns. And they've got their own worries. And you need to speak life into their life, not just some any random philosophy or any slogan, but take scripture and make it presentable to them so that he can hide it in their heart at a young age. It's really, really important to do. Um, But God is saying in this passage that he's saying, I'll work all things together for your good. And it doesn't say that God will work a few things together for your good. It doesn't say that he'll work some things or even several or many or most things. The passage says that God will work all things together together for your good. Now, when you look up all in the Greek, it's a pretty amazing word. When you look up all, this might be insightful, revolutionary, but when you look up all, it means all. 
All means all, and that's all that all means. It means all. So when God's going to work all things together for your good, it means all things. And again, it's hard to get our head around this, and that's why you need to hold on to this promise, because it is, it is true. When God's going to work all things together, that is the good and the bad and the ugly. All of it. And you and I would say, well, certainly the good things, but not the bad and the ugly parts of my life. Let's just leave all that stuff out. And the Lord would say, no, I'm going to use the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to work all things together for, for the good. Now, this is a, uh, really important because some of us in this room, we've been through some things, maybe in life, in, the, in your past, but maybe even this year. Maybe you've been through some disappointments. Maybe you've been through some setbacks. Maybe you've been through certain trials. Maybe you've been some, through some, some relational things that really hurt your heart. Maybe some pains. Maybe some things you couldn't figure out. Maybe you had some setbacks with your, with your job, or maybe you felt like you had some missed opportunities, and it's too late, and you look at that stuff and go, what's God going to do with all that stuff? God will work all things, all things together. You've got to stay tuned. God is in how many of you know that we're works in progress? How many of you know that the work that he began in you, he is going to bring to completion? Do you know that? You need to know that this morning. The work that he began in you, he began a work in you, and he's going to bring it to completion. You need to know that and don't forget that. And because of that, because he started a work and he's going to complete a work, we're in the process of a, a sanctifying work. He's, sanct- he's tuning us up, he's shaping us, he's molding us, he's He's growing us. He's stretching us. We're developing faith and perseverance and all these things. Because of this process of walking with Jesus, that's how and why God can and will use all these things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But this promise, this promise, it's not for everyone. This promise is not for everyone. God doesn't work everything together for the good of everyone on the planet. Scripture qualifies this as important. It's not for everyone. It's for believers who, for those, the Scripture says, context is key, for those who love God. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is the qualifier. So if you truly love God, you know it and God knows it. When you truly love God, you know it. And when you love God, the Bible refers to God as our first love, to return back to our first love, because sometimes our focus gets off and we need to go back to our first love. But when we look, when we look at love, when, if you're in the room and you're in love or you fell in love, I remember when I fell in love with Christy, uh, you know you're in love. Anybody ever fall in love? You know it. You know it. It's not like I'm in love, but I don't know I'm in love. No, you know you're in love. You know you're in love when you're in love. You know it. And if you love God, you know it. And not that we live perfectly or follow perfectly, but you know if you love God. This scripture is if you, if you love God, here's the qualifier, if you love God, and, and then you also made the choice to pursue God's purposes. Not perfect, there are no perfect people. But you made a life choice saying, Jesus, you are who you say, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna follow you. My life now is to live for your purposes. This is the qualifier. And if you're in this category of saying, I love God and I truly want to try to live for his will and purposes, I, I'm not perfect, I don't maybe even know how exactly, that's okay, but I want to try to live for God's purposes and live in a way that makes him smile, guess what? This guarantee is for you. And that is beautiful. It is powerful and it is profound. Uh, but if not, if that's not you, I want to encourage you to get to know him. 
Uh, Get to know him more because the more you get to know him, you will fall in love with him and you will be in this category of loving God and trusting God. Uh, If you don't know him, get to know him. If you don't know him, learn to trust him. And what you'll find is that he's been trying to love you for a long time and you gotta let, you gotta start loving him back. God loved us before we ever loved him and, and God's pursuing the whole world. He loves the whole world. He's in pursuit. But if people are running away from God, uh, this promise doesn't qualify for those who are uh, running away from God. So for people walking outside of God's will, it's a different story. For people that are not in love with God and not, I can't say all things are working together for the good because Scripture does not promise that. In fact, some people, sometimes, all things are working against people's good. Have you ever seen people making the dumbest choices in life, not walking with God? You love them, you're praying for them. Can I get some honesty in God's house, right? You love them and you're praying for them, but they're not reading the word, they're not praying, they're not lining their life up with the Lord at all, and they're making all these crazy, whacked choices, and guess what? That stuff's not working out for their good. You've heard the expression, you know, how's that treating you? You know, the choices you're making, how is that treating you? How's that working for you? And the answer is not good. And the reason is because all these things are not working out for the good. But if you would love God, if you would trust him, if, if you would line your life up with him, just try to aim, if you would redirect, then you're going to see he's going to start leveraging all these things in your life forward. That's what he says he will, will do for, for believers. And that, that's really important. So this is a big deal because life deals us some pretty tough things. And some of these tough things, were hard, it's hard to grasp specifically the tough ones How in the world is God ever going to use this? And you and I can stumble on that. We can get stuck on that one. We can stop and go, I don't think God ever can, and and what's the point? We want to start ripping pages out of our life book, so to speak, our our God story. Uh, The passage says God is working all these things. The Greek word is energio, where we get our word energy. That means God's powerful energy, his powerful energy, the energy of God, is working, it's doing something, it's proactively moving, uh, it's efficient, and he's taken all these things in your life, these dots, and he wants to leverage them together for the good, for your good and for his purposes, both at the same time. And that's what's explosive about the power of this scripture. Uh, You gotta realize there's nothing in your life that you've been through that escapes his attention. Uh, God hasn't authored everything in your life. Some things in our life we go through because bad people do bad things sometimes. Uh, Sometimes bad things happen because we're living in a fallen society and the nature of people is sin and sinners, guess what they do? They, They sin. And sometimes if you're in their area, they sin on you and maybe you sin on them. And the point is, there's a lot of fallout in our world that God didn't author, that sin authored yet. God is sovereign, which means he overreigns it all and nothing has escaped his attention. So no matter what you went through, even the things that break God's heart, God's like, listen, there's gonna be a day of reckoning and we're gonna wrap this up and there's gonna be a reconciliation for whoever did wrong to you or what. Hold off, vengeance is mine, I will deal with it. In the meantime, I see you, I love you, I will strengthen you and I will use all these things together for the good. Work with me on this, work with me. And some people don't wanna work with God on this. Some people say, no, I don't understand why it happened. I'm mad, I'm angry, and I'm done. And God's like, keep coming, trust. All things are possible with me. I make all things new. All things work together for the good, all things. It's an, our God is an all things kind of God. You guys realize that? 
He's an all things God. Our God is an all things God. And he's gonna work all things together for the good. The first thing, and there's a few key points, and I would encourage you to write some of these down or put them in your device or whatever, uh, because this is gonna be the take home. And if you wanna have a, a chart a new year and a new course with, with goals in your life and vision and dreams, I mean, you gotta come to terms with some of these things. Otherwise, you, you, you could get a little uh, you know, checked along the way. Uh, the first one is this, is that God is sovereign in all of our circumstances. He's sovereign in all of our circumstances. You might know that in principle, but you need to know it in your heart. He's sovereign in yourself. Whatever you went through this week, this year, this month, whatever you've been through in your past, you're like, oh, I didn't like that. And oh, there was no good. God's like, I know, I see it too, but I am bigger than it. Okay, that's really important. Some people can't separate this and they they, they lose focus. They lose their way. You got to know that God is sovereign in all circumstances. It doesn't mean he authors everything. Again, I want to be clear. Uh, the sovereignty of God is something that we can't go into the ex- extreme detail today. But sovereignty of God means that it's the letter S and the word overreign. S overreign. God is sovereign. He overreigns everything. But it doesn't mean that he authors everything. How many of you know that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour who he may? You guys know that? God's not authoring the devil doing what he's doing, but God has a season for the devil. He's got a season for us, and he's got a full day of reckoning. And guess what? This is not heaven. And some people want this to be heaven. Some people want God to control everything, that no evil happens, nothing bad happens, there's never sickness, there's never cancer, there's never anything, there's no missed rent payment, none of those things. God, get rid of all of it. And that's the only way they'll acknowledge God. And really, they want heaven on earth. But how many of you know this is not heaven? This is not heaven. And we don't get heaven on earth, but we do get God's protection, his blessings, and his provision. But this is not heaven on earth. And so when we're going through this stuff, the ups and downs, the setbacks, we're like, what's the deal, God? You got to know he is still sovereign in your, in your circumstance. And so there's another passage that tells us the same thing we have for up here, Ephesians 1.11, because this theme is st- uh, stitched through the Bible. There's a, there's a theme in scripture for you and I to know and understand about God's sovereignty in our circumstance. And it says this in Ephesians 1.11, in him we were also chosen, believers, family, sons and daughters of God having been predestined according to the plan of him who, what does he do? He works out everything, everything in the conformity with the purpose of his will. Talking about believers, family, children of God, those who have said yes to Jesus, that he works out all this stuff, all the stuff you and I can't figure out, all the stuff we can't get our head around, he's gonna leverage it all forward, forward with the purpose and conformity of his will. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is stitched through scripture, this idea, this premise. There's plenty more scriptures that tie that theme in, but I think you get the, you get the point. Um, nothing is impossible with God. So what about, what about when people mess up really bad? What about that? What about when people mess up really bad? How's God gonna use that? He doesn't author that, people messing up really bad. He doesn't author that. But how in the world is God going to use, use that? Because even when people mess up, God is sovereign. And that's the beauty about God's power and his majesty and his magnitude and his arm. The, the arm of the Lord has not been shortened no matter what your situation is. The, our, the Lord's arm has not been shortened. He's still proactive. A great passage in scripture that, that, that shows this is Joseph. You know the story of Joseph, many of you. 
Joseph was born in a dysfunctional family. It was about as dysfunctional as you can get. He had stepbrothers, half-brothers, and they all hated each other, okay? So right smack in the Bible is this crazy picture of dysfunction, okay? And in this, in this story of Joseph, uh, his brothers, they hated him and they wanted to kill him, but instead, they just sold him off into slavery. Sounds pretty dysfunctional, right? Right, dysfunctional? Okay, let's look at that a little bit. So in, it's in Genesis, you can read it. The culmination is in, in chapter 50, and it's a beautiful, powerful, profound story. But his brothers were jealous of him. Is it God's will that we're jealous of other people? No. So it wasn't God's will that his brothers were jealous, and yet his brothers were jealous in his life. And then they threw him in a ditch and sold him into slavery. Is that God's will? No, that's not God. God doesn't say throw people in a ditch and sell them in slavery, okay? That's not God's will. And then they, the brothers go back and tell the father that Joseph was eaten by a lion. Is that God's will? No, it's striking out on every level. God's will is not in this. None of these things are God's will. This is the sin in the nature of man doing these things, seemingly wrecking Joseph's life, seemingly wrecking Joseph's life. And then he's in Egypt, and when he's down there, Potiphar, his boss's wife, comes on to him and, and, and makes a move on him. He's like, I, I got to get out of here. I got to run. And guess what? He gets in trouble for it and gets locked up in jail. Was that God's will for that incident to happen for him to get pursued by this married woman? That wasn't God's will either. Check, 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 check. All this stuff in his life is going on that you would think, I don't think God authored that one. I don't think God was behind that throwing you in the ditch. I don't think God sold you. I don't think God made the brothers jealous. I don't think God made the, the, the boss's wife. None of these things seem like God was in it at all. And now, now, everything is wrong, and Joseph's in jail. Here's a guy with a calling on his life. He knows he has a calling on his life, and he's locked up, and he's in jail. And this is, this is the challenge right here, because a lot of times we can't figure this out. And when you and I can't figure out why we are where we are and what good and what's the point, and, and it seems that this is where you and I can shut down. And people in life have done this. They don't understand why God allowed something and they just shut down. They stop moving forward. Their faith is over. They pull over. They shut down. And you and I, if we were in a jail and we had the promises of God in our life and we went through this mess, you and I would do the same thing. We'd be saying, why? Why, God? Why? I, I got a calling on my life. You made that clear. And then I went through this, and I went through this, and I went through this, and now I'm in jail in a foreign land. Why? What's the upside? How are you going to work this out? Don't seem like there's a future in this, God, right? I mean, would you, can, you, can you feel what he's feeling right here in the story? And we ask the same thing. And here, here's, here's the answer, guys. This side of heaven, you and I may never know that answer. This side of heaven, you and I may never know that answer. But this is important because some people refuse to take another step until they get an answer. If they don't get an answer, they're not taking another step. And it's at that point in their life where they stop walking with God. They stop walking with God because of the trial they went through, through the tribulation, through the setback, through the disappointment. I get it. We've all been through them. But because they don't have the answer, they don't take another step. And the why is the last thing out of their mouth. And then they stop. And this is important because God doesn't, there's a lot of unanswerables that we have in our life. And, and the Bible says that what we know in part, 
What we know in part, we will know fully just as we are fully known. It says in Corinthians 13, there's going to be a time we're going to stand before God and there's going to be full-blown revelation on everything. Every question you ever had, full knowledge, full clarity, full exposure on all of the above. Take all your questions, write them down, bring them to the Lord. He's going to answer every single one. Every issue, concern, everything you had is going to come into the full light. But in the meantime, in the meantime, what do you do with these things? What do you do in times when you... You, you don't understand how it ever could have got this far in the first place. This is what you need to do. It's our second point this morning. You must do this, guys. You must do this. Second point is we must leave the unanswerables to God. You, you have to leave the unanswerables to God. I know too many people, people I love, people I care about, that went through their ups and downs, their setbacks, their potholes in life like we all do, trials, tribulations that the Bible says we will have, but at some point, they draw a line. Why? And they don't take another step forward. They don't know why, God, what, why didn't you change it? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you do something? Whatever it is, they got some major monumental question, and they refuse to take another step forward. And they don't continue to walk with Christ. And they don't continue to grow in the things of God or be used by God or bear the fruit that God would have for their life. They stop. They cease growing. You have to leave the unanswerables with God. We have plenty of unanswerables. But by faith, that's what faith does by definition. It says, yep, Lord, I got questions. And I don't like this situation. And I don't know why I have a calling on my life and my brothers were jealous. And I don't know why they threw me in a ditch. And I don't know why they sold me in slavery. And I don't know why the boss's wife came on. And I tried to do the right thing and run away. And I still got busted for it and thrown in jail. I don't know why. I don't like it, God. I don't see how you're going to use it. But, but, I am going to leave the unanswerables with God. Amen? Got to do that. There's two paths. There's a divergence of paths. Your future depends on it. He was willing to leave the unanswerables with God. Joseph did that. And guess what? He trusted that God was going to work out all things together for his good. He trusted, even though he didn't have an answer. And guess what happened? One day, Joseph, is that you? Yep. Come on out of prison, my friend. Huh? Yep, come on out. Come on out. You're free now. And by the way, can you help us with this? And by the way, can you help us with this? And he gets promoted, promoted, promoted. The guy's the prime minister of Egypt. He goes from a prison cell with no future. He learns, he learns to leave the unanswerables with God. He learns that all things will work together for those, for the good of those. If you love God, you're called according to his purpose. You don't have to try to figure it out, even though it hurts, even though it's confusing, even though it's disappointing, yes, but leave it with God. And guess what? He becomes the prime minister of Egypt to help Israel in their time of need. And all of that came out of people doing bad things to him, that God did not author all those bad things. Do you see how God uses all things together for the good? God does, he can, and he will. And he wants to do it more in your life, but, but we need to reinterpret some of these bad things, not just rip pages out and move along and act, wish we had an eraser. God can leverage these things. It's really, really important. Joseph says to his brothers, it's in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he talks to his brothers and he says this to them. He finally, in fact, this, this, this chapter, if you read this part of the story, it'll bring tears to your eye. I've read this where I just get teared up. Jo- Joseph's brothers come in. They don't even know he's the brother, the prime minister that they sold when he was a little kid. They sold him when he was a little kid. Now he's in Egypt looking different, all dressed up, and they they don't know he's his brother. They don't even recognize him. It's years later. 
And it comes before Joseph, and Joseph realizes, here's the brothers that sold me out, but Lord, I forgive them. And he's trying to deal with them, and he can't. He's tearing up. He's like, excuse me. He goes in the back, and he's crying in the back room because he can't get over what God's doing, that you sold me off in a ditch. You wished I was dead. You told Dad I was eaten by a lion, and God did this. The enemy meant this kind of harm, but God, and he, and he can't, and he goes in the back, and he's wiping his tears, and he, he comes back out, and he says, I'm your brother Joseph, and they're like, oh, no, that's like their worst nightmare coming true. Oh, no, you're asking for vision. You're a long way from home. Can you please help us out? Yeah, I'm your brother that you sold off. Remember that? And he says this. He says, uh, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. What he's saying is what the enemy meant for harm, God used for the good. And the enemy did mean it for the harm. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't make it light. Don't make it act like it wasn't there. The enemy meant it for harm. The enemy does mean for harm. The enemy doesn't want to see you succeed. The, the, the enemy doesn't want to see you have hashtag goals in life that God is going to get behind and support and endorse and line up your life with his life and bear fruit. The enemy doesn't want that in your life. The enemy does want to see us harmed. And he says, what you guys meant for harm, because you were listening to the devil's voice with all those crazy things you did, you meant it for harm, but God used it for, for the good. And that's profound. Um, And so these trials, guys, that we go through, if we let God and we walk with him and we leave the unanswerables with God, God will use all these things, he will use all these things to turn around and and develop and do a greater thing if we let him. Again, people stop along the way. That trial was too tough. Why? And don't go any further. They stop their intimacy with God. They're not in the word. They're not in prayer. Their faith stops. They just pull over. And I trust you know some people in this room. Some of you today, you know people in your life that have done the same thing. They stopped along the way. You know anybody that was running a good race, walking with the Lord and stopped? Anybody? Yeah. It's usually this kind of stuff. Oftentimes. Sometimes they get caught up in some crazy level of sin. But a lot of times, why? I don't understand. I don't get it. And this is where they pull over and stop moving forward. And it really breaks my heart. See, as a young boy, David, before he was ever a king, as a young boy, David had to learn how to deal with lions before he was ever able to deal with giants later on. You might think, what's that little boy doing with lions? He shouldn't even be around. Well, it's trials that came his way when he's out in a field at night under the stars with his harp, and all of a sudden, it's you and a lion and the sheep. What are you going to do? And he learns through these trials how to build up courage, God help me, help me, God, I know this isn't, this isn't good, I need your help. And he learns to trust God dealing with lions, and later on he can trust God dealing with, with giants. And it's very much the same in your life and in mine. If we can trust him with little things, he will let you be faithful with greater things. And there are some people that when you watch God use things together for the good, you begin to trust with greater things. Uh, and this is really important because we have to deal with all these different things in life. There's pressures, there's trials, there's setbacks, there's, there's disappointments. But all of these hardships, I would, I would trust you that they are preparation for what he wants to do. They're preparation. Everybody say preparation. God, you can't get where you want to be until you go through some of the stuff you got to go through. And that is, you know, that's just, Bible's full of stories. You look at the Apostle Paul and, you know, he starts out, this is Paul, the super apostle, specially chose by God. And later on at the end of his life, he's like, uh, yeah, this is Paul. I'm the chief of sinners, and uh, I love you, God. You just see like 
what's going on? Even guys like Paul are through this process where God is shaping me and I haven't arrived yet and he's changing my heart and he's, he's developing me. And you know, he goes from starting his mission trips, his first mission trips, going out there with Mark and, and Barnabas and they get to a few cities and it's tough. It's tough out there. And little Mark, he's like, I, I can't handle this. I want to go home. So he, he, gets, he pays for a boat fare and goes back home. Next year or two later, they're ready on another mission trip. And Barnabas goes, we got Mark here ready to go. And Paul's like, no, that dude is not coming with us. Paul's like, what are you talking about? I mean, Barnabas is like, what are you talking about? Paul's like, no, he quit. There's no room for quitters. We don't take quitters on the mission field. End of story. And Barnabas is like, well, wait a minute. You know, he's young and he had a hard time and he got homesick and he went. Paul's like, end of story. End of story. And these guys split and they go two different ways on their mission with Barnabas takes John Mark and Paul takes Silas. He doesn't want to go with John Mark. But guess, guess what Paul does at the end of his life? He's writing, would you get John Mark? I need that dude. He's awesome. I love that guy. Would you, would you get him and send him to me, please? I love. And you see this change because God is doing this change in our lives. He's growing us and all these things are working together for the good. Even the setbacks, the trial, God will connect the dots in your life. We, we're not capable of doing it on our own, but God can and he will. This is what it says in James chapter one, verse two and four. We have it for the screen here. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. That, that's telling us that the race that we're running in life, the, the whole walk in life, the whole journey you and I have with God is one of perseverance. It's all about perseverance. It's never not been about perseverance. It's about having faith and persevering. And the Bible talks a ton about continuing in your faith and persevering. And some people don't because they can't figure out why the disappointment and why didn't God do this? And they stop and you got to persevere. It's all about perseverance. And it only comes, perseverance only comes by having faith through the trial, having faith with the setback, having faith when you don't have the answer, having faith when you go through all these. And it says we're going to face many trials. It says many trials. Uh, the, the, in the Greek, it suggests a variety. Uh, it, it suggests multicolored, multifacets, multiforms, that the, the trials are going to come in a variety of different ways. In life, you're going to have a variety of them, not just one kind. There's going to be many kinds, big, little, small Timing's going to be off. All sorts of stuff's going to come in life. That's just what life does. Again, this is this side of heaven. And some of these trials do come, and, and the variety, it might be in a matter of health, and you might be going, wow, I'm struggling with a trial in my health right now. God, what's going on here? Or maybe it's a financial one where you're like, mm, God, what's going on with this financial one? Or maybe it's relational with with friend or a loved one or a family member. Or maybe it's spiritual warfare where you're like, why is it at this point, God, and there's that struggle? I get it. Your trial is coming in many forms. It's coming in many forms. They come in many forms. And, and, and some of you have been through some tough things and some, some even unfair things. And you're, you're learning, you're learning how to pass tests. You're learning how to endure through the trial. And this is the only thing that makes you strong. You can't be strong and be used for greater things. If we're not faithful in the little things, we can't be faithful in the greater things. The Bible tells us if we can't run with the 
the, the footmen, you know, in the Nile River, how are we ever going to compete with the chariots? And God's saying, you've got to be able to get through these trials trusting me so, so you can be used for greater things. And everybody that God's used in great ways, that has great stories, it wasn't just a, a thing just dumped on them or given to them. It was, it was, they were faithful and they persevered. And God blessed and opened more opportunities and faithful with little and faithful with more. And I, I trust that's what, what you want this morning. And so here's the thing, guys. When you go through these tough times, you and I go through them all. We can either quit like some people do. We can pull away. We can shrink back in our faith. You can lean back or you can lean forward. Uh, if any of you guys have ever skied before, um, I used to for years, I snowboard now, but when you ski, one of the first things they teach you is to stay on the fronts of your feet. If you're trying to go down the hill and you lean back, you have no control at all. You'll totally wipe out on skis if you lean back. Even if it's a steep hill, everything in your nature is like, oh no, lean back. You've got no control leaning back. You've got to lean forward. Even if you're going downhill, you're thinking, why do I want to lean forward? Because that's what gives you control. You've got to lean forward. And in your faith, when you go through trials, like being on that snowy hill, Some people lean back, or you can lean forward. And I want to encourage you. It's our third point this morning, but write this one down. When you go through these things in life, these trials, these difficulties, your faith is going to lean one way or another. Your faith is either going to lean forward, or your faith is going to lean back. And I want to encourage you, if you're going to fall, if you feel like you're going to fall, instead of falling backwards, we choose to fall forward. We choose to lean in. When you go through the trials in life that you don't get, perseverance, what does it do? It leans in. It falls forward. Even if you've made a mistake, okay, God, I don't know what you're going to do with that. I'm sorry. I wish that never happened. Would you please help me? That's falling forward. That's leaning in. There's a lot of ways. I should have done that, but maybe I didn't do that. And now what? I'm giving it to you. You make all things new. Lean forward. Some people take all those things and they lean back. Fall forward. Don't, Don't fall backward. That's important. It's interesting to me how two people can go through the same exact situation, the same exact disappointment, the same exact whatever it is, and one will choose to fall backwards and one will choose to fall forward, the exact same scenario. So what you do with your faith in these times is, is really, really up to you. Um, you know, and we wonder, you know, how is God going to use these setbacks? And, and a, a lot of times we want to just move past them. We want to ignore these things. Um, but I want to encourage you, and it's our last point this morning, and maybe this would be great for the worship team to come up. Um, the, the last point is this. We, we use, when we go through setbacks, we use our weaknesses to help other people get strong. This is important. This is something the devil doesn't want you to do. This is something the Holy Spirit wants you to do. We use our weaknesses to help other people get strong. Some people don't want to talk about weaknesses, what we've been through, where we failed, move on, end of story. We don't post that on Facebook, right? That's not like it, like, 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 no. Leave that off, leave that out, rip those pages out of the blight. But listen, there's stuff you've been through in your life that only you, because you've been through it, you've been through the mud in certain areas, you've been through the setback, the speed bump, you've, you've felt the pain because of that, you're qualified to go and strengthen somebody else and make them stronger. There's a great passage. You guys may remember this passage. It's in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, but it's when um, Jesus tells Peter, Peter's talking about, oh, well, you know, I'll never leave you all this. And and Jesus is like, Peter, um, the devil is real and he's trying to take you out. The devil 
wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to shake you up and shake you out. He, he wants to separate you. That's what wheat and chaff does. When you, when you sift like wheat, you separate the wheat from the chaff. He wants to separate you from God, from God's future, from the people of God, from the family of believers, from the calling of God, the blessing of God. The, he wants to separate you from all of that. The enemy would love to do that if he could. And he, and he tells, tells Peter, he's like, look, Peter, the enemy wants to separate you from everything good. But I prayed for you. So when you go through this thing you're about to go through, and you're going to go through something, I want you to go back. This is what Jesus' words. I want you to take that trial, and when you go through it, I want you to go back, and I want you to strengthen your brothers. The story you don't want to talk about, how you failed or what you went through and what you don't like, I want you to take that, Peter, and I want you to use that to go help your brothers. Ladies, you've been through some stuff. The stories you don't like to tell... Take that story and go back and help your sisters. Why? Because that's how they'll get strong. Your weakness will help them get strong. Some people are like, I don't want to share my weakness. Your weakness will help them get strong. That's what Jesus told Peter. Peter, take what this little train wreck thing, this thing you're about to go through, I'm praying you're not going to get taken out, but you're going to go through something. And go back, and guess what Peter starts doing? The enemy starts lying to Peter, and Peter starts believing, and he starts denying Jesus. Remember when Jesus was arrested in the garden? I don't know him. I don't know the guy. And you're like, Peter, what are you doing? And he's going down this road. And then he feels so shamed and so guilty because the devil's the accuser. Do you know the devil's the accuser? He accuses me and you of stuff that's not true. He's the accuser. The devil's accusing Peter, look, you're no good. You denied Jesus. So Peter quits his calling. He goes back to Galilee and fishes. He left fishing three years ago to follow Jesus. And now the devil's got him believing such a lie that he's not walking with Jesus or God's people. And he goes back to fishing. And since he's a leader, other people, apostles, go and join him. And Jesus is like, as soon as Jesus is arisen, he goes to Peter personally and says, Peter, buddy, I love you, man. Do you love me? What are you doing here? I I didn't make you for this. You know that. The devil got in, didn't he, Peter? Yeah, the devil got in. Well, I love you, Peter, and you got a calling on your life. And I want to encourage you to go back and do something now. Strengthen your brother. Feed the sheep. Tend the flock. You were made for greater things than this. And Peter later on goes on to write First and Second Peter. And you know what he does? He uses all of that weakness, everything he went through, to go strengthen his brothers. And you and I are being strengthened today with First and Second Peter in the Bible because of Peter's weakness. And you know what he says? Ooh, look out for the devil who goes around like a roaring lion. I know because he bit me. Okay? He took me out. Yep, I left Jesus. I ran off. I left my calling. And I, nah, nah, nah. But God restored me. So if you think you're standing strong, be careful lest you fall because that was me. And he's writing all these things about us. And people are going, okay, we get you. We get it. Does that make sense? How you can use weakness to strengthen brothers. And that, so that, that's the last thing I, I want to encourage you is that the enemy wants to do the same with us. Have us discouraged. Have us pull chapters out. I believe God wants to use all things together. I believe God wants to leverage all these things forward. God's connecting dots. We have to leave unanswerables with him. We, we, we don't lean back in our faith. We fall forward. We press in no matter what the circumstance, and you're going to see God do these things. So I want to encourage you. We're going to close in prayer, but I want to encourage you with a challenge this morning. Um, I, I want to ask you to look at your trials differently. We all have trials. They come in many kinds. But I want to encourage you today that you begin to look at them differently. Uh, rather than saying, why did that happen and why did that happen, to say, wow, God, how are you going to use that? 
I, I don't know, but I know you are. How are you going to use that? And what are you going to do with this one, God? Because I'm leaning in. I'm moving forward in faith. I'm not shrinking back. I don't get it. But I know you work all things. And like C.S. Lewis and his dad that made the little plaque, all things, that you and I would hold on to that, all things. Would you say that with me? One more time. All things. That you'll, you and I will hang on to the all things and know that all things are possible with God. And God makes all things new. And we would know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. All things. And because of that, we will begin to trust and we'll look at our, our trials uh, differently. And last, I would just encourage that you, as we're ending this year and going into a new one, that you would camp out with the Lord, that you would spend some time with Jesus in prayer, in his word, spend some time and say, Lord, what needs to, what needs to stay behind? What patterns, what practices, what character, what, what, what is there, what needs to stay behind because there's no place for it where you're taking me? Um, you know, when the Israelites had across the uh, Jordan, in fact, there's another passage coming back from Babylonian captivity. They're coming back and they, had a, they couldn't take everything with them because they had to tread some water. And they're like, well, guess what? Some stuff needs to stay on that side of the river and other stuff can go across. And I would encourage you the same thing. Spend some time with the Lord. It's been said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. I know you guys want new things this year. Something's got to change. Something's got to shift. Get together with the Lord and say, what stays behind and what am I running with in in the new year? God's going to honor that. He's going to reward that in your life. So let's close in prayer right now. Uh, Mighty God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Um, Lord, I pray that you... This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.